0: jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com
1: hi there this is martina navratilova and you're listening to the tennis podcast
2: Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It's Middle Sunday. Wimbledon is not happening, but the Tennis Podcast is. This is a special bonus tennis podcast for all you Wimbledon fans that are suffering from withdrawal symptoms on this very special Middle Sunday. And very special it is because I'm joined by Mats Volander, host on Live at Wimbledon this week. I've been sat next to you all week, Mats Verlander, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Catherine. It's been a fantastic first week at Wimbledon, so lots to talk about.
2: It has. Do you think it's been one of the best in, uh, in recent memory? I certainly do.
1: Yes, I do, actually. I think, uh, first of all, the, obviously the weather uh, has been cooperating, so uh, we've really only had the covers on once for a very short time at the beginning of one day, uh, and which is great because there's a big difference when it's disrupted in the middle of the day or just at the beginning. And then there have been some f- amazing matches and amazing stories. Dustin Brown and rafa nadal great match uh, and an unbelievable story and then uh, on top of it all heather watson and serena williams but there's so many more um and really the it's the depth of the game in both the men and the women you're having big names play each other already in the in the third round and and that's great for tennis tough for the players
2: Absolutely, it, it, for me, it's the best third round lineup I've ever seen in terms of matchups. ups. Kirill in the third round, amazing. I won't ask you to talk about every single one of the highlights from the first week because, frankly, we'd be here all evening because it really has been blockbuster. What were your highlights? Well, I, I
1: mean, certainly, um, Dustin Brown plays played that kind of tennis against Rafael Nadal, and the fact that I think we all were sort of waiting for that to happen, and when your expectations are fulfilled, uh, and you have that match that you think, I mean that match might happen 1 in 20 tries, Dustin Brown comes out and plays like that, and also on top of it, Rafa maybe not playing at his best, and the crowd I think was sensing the fact that this is possible, we've seen this from Rafa, we saw it last year against Nick Curios, we saw Lucas Rosson that's like some kind of a memory in the back of my head, and I don't even kind of remember what the match would happen, but it's, it's like a ghost I think for, for Rafa, and it's. So there, there's this demon, and then it happens. And I think that was so amazing. The Heather Watson and Serena Williams was, to me, so unexpected. And I think for everybody, it was so unexpected. Literally, you just didn't want it to get blown off the court. But I think it, you, we, it caught everybody by surprise. Obviously, it was full. Um, every season it was sold out, obviously, but everybody was in there in anticipation, but it was more sort of, Oh, I hope this is going to be a decent match. And I hope she doesn't get destroyed like Serena usually does to somebody like Heather Watson, because all she does really, it puts the ball back in play is what we thought but that's not really the case heather watson pushed her much harder and them to see henman hill be completely packed and them enjoying it that much i mean i don't think i've ever heard the noise level at a tennis tournament be louder and people enjoy it more than that match i really do
2: well, that was certainly my highlight of the first week, watching the climax of that Watson Serena match in our live at Wimbledon studio with the whole crew. Mm. And you actually said uh, when Heather was serving three love up with the double break, you said if she doesn't get this, she will certainly lose a set. And the certainty with which you said it was, and I, I suddenly thought, I suddenly felt really deflated because I thought, well. Mats Verlander doesn't get things wrong so, and then as soon as I saw her lose that game I thought oh oh no it's, uh, Mats has got this one right and lo and behold you did but uh, another thing you said while we were watching that match was you said if Heather can just steal a couple of percentage points or a handful of percentage points in a few areas of her game she could be a top player first of all where do you think she can get those percentage points and second of all, what do you mean by top level player, where could she get to?
1: Oh I think she's top 10 material for sure um, she she moves well enough and you have to move well enough if you're her size, you have to move that well, um, she can definitely add some power to her serve, the first serve can be more of a weapon, now it's a, it's a serve, it's it's basically a serve where uh, it's very safe uh, she can set the point up with it, but, but we're talking about grass courts so when she gets out on the clay or on Hard courts. So that serve is less of a weapon. So she can do some uh, some technical adjustments. She can get a little bit stronger, um, and she can definitely add to the serve. The second serve needs to be have a little more spin on it. But but we're only talking for the first serve. Maybe another two miles, three miles per hour. We're not talking ten miles per hour because that's impossible to find. Uh, and then in her in her uh, groundstroke game, she's so quick absorbing power going from left to right, she's very quick going forwards as well but no one's going to bring her forward, so she's going to have to get use used, uh, used the quickness there by herself meaning she's going to have to set points up and really come into the net and she's not going to win points, uh, win matches by coming to the net and volleying but she's going to steal things out of the air Rafa Nadal is a really good model to look at because Nadal hits great shots and then he he hits one volley. That's all he needs. And Heather Watson is so quick and she can move in there and it's just going to take the racket out of some of these women's hands And she's going to be, I mean, she needs to be a pain in the butt to play against. That's really what she needs to be. So if she can add a little bit of a slice backhand. Because, again, she's quick and she has a great attitude. And that has taken a lot of players to the very top of the game. So I don't really see her stopping. And I think that she should be disappointed that she lost. In her tweets that you played out on Live at Wimbledon, uh, she did say that she was, I don't know exactly, but she was gutted. I mean, she really felt like she should have won that match. That's the exactly the right reaction that she must have. Not be pleased at all because she lost she knows she can play with the best player in the world that's all she takes from that match
2: yeah absolutely she should be seeing it as an opportunity miss shouldn't she just to quickly bring you bring you back to Rafael Nadal I've been going through in the live at Wimbledon studio we all have just how many the, the wide spectrum of opinion about Rafael Nadal from he's completely finished to this is just a tiny little blip to John McEnroe saying in no uncertain terms he needs to ditch Uncle Tony where do you sit in that spectrum on all those various Rafa related points
1: well he lost in 2009 to Robin Söderling at the French Open. The first time he's lost there. Um, and uh, and then he didn't play Wimbledon afterwards. And he had some injury problems. Then he comes back uh, and he has... An- unbelievable year, I believe in 2011, uh, 2011, 2011-2012, and he comes back and he plays better than ever, and he's added a little bit of a slice back, and so he's not old enough yet to to not think that he can still improve, so I think he's going to take what's happening to him on the clay court season, which by the way wasn't that bad, for a regular player it's a pretty decent clay court season, Uh, he won a grass court title in Stuttgart, so he knows what the feeling is to win. He plays against Dustin Brown. That's the, that's the craziest opponent that he's going to be up, most probably in his whole career. And i do not not saying Dustin Brown could have done this against the other players, but maybe he could have. We don't know. It just happened to be Nadal that day, and it just happens to be similar to what Nick Curious did to Rafa Nadal last year. Well, hold on. Nick Curious might win this year's Wimbledon. In my eyes, he has a really good chance of going very far, and he can definitely do some damage. So I wouldn't be as worried as some people say... Rafa Nadal needs to go with the development of the of the game. Roger Federer has gone to a bigger racket head. Uh, he's hired Stefan Edberg. He hasn't ditched Severin Lutti. He's still with him. So there's no reason to, to ditch Tony Nadal. I mean, Tony Nadal is such an emotional part. But, but go walk around. Go, I mean, move around and, and try and find some some other players that can possibly help him with his even forehand because he's having some problems with his forehand what, what did they think about the, 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 the technical aspects of his forehand maybe his serve so there's a lot of things that he should do and is going to do he's going to chase Roger Federer's record until his knees can't take it anymore
2: what would you do if you got a call from Rafael Nadal what if he turned to you?
1: Well, I would have to speak to the crew at live at Wimbledon and uh, my um, so, social media outlet, which is you, <laughs> but uh, I have no idea. I think Stefan Edberg uh, said it the best. He said he had no intentions of coaching anybody because he never thought Roger Federer was going to call. So, so no one is going to say, no, I'm never going to coach. It all, on, uh, it all depends on the situation.
2: I can tell you social media would go nuts if that call ever happened. Uh, Just quickly, looking, throwing ahead a bit to week two. So much still up in the air. So I'm going to cut right to the chase. Who's winning this thing on both sides?
1: You know, that's the interesting part because I really really can't tell. And I'm not going to pick one because Novak Djokovic is playing much probably better than I thought he was going to after the French Open disaster, let's call it, because he beat Nadal and he still lost the French Open. Um, Andy Murray's playing much better than I thought he was going to play and he's in a much better, uh, much better mood than I've ever, ever seen him. And then Roger Federer, on top of it, is playing great. I mean, he, he doesn't have any baggage at all from, from the French Open. Uh, he won in Halle, played great there. He's playing great here. Um, I really can't tell. And then you have Nick Kyrgios on top, which is, no one knows how well he can play. You cannot say that Nick Kyrgios is not going to win this year's Wimbledon because every time he's had to, he has stepped it up. And he's 19. There is no level, there's no height to what he can jump because he just looks at the opponent on the other side and says, OK, I've got to win this match. And he figures out a way to do it. So between those four players, I think the winner most probably will come. But, um, but I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't count any of those four guys out.
2: You see Nick Kyrgios in the same category as those other three big guys ahead of Stan Wawrinka?
1: I do, because Stan Wawrinka is not a grass court player. He's serving great, and I think that against the best players, I think he's going to have a little bit of a problem when the ball starts skidding through the court. Uh, The second week, it's true, the ball bounces a little higher, but it's also going to be a bit quicker. And for Stan Wawrinka to do the, the... French Open double with Wimbledon. I mean, the odds, I don't know what the odds are. They must be pretty high. But I think that Nick Curious has a grass court game. Um, I think that he, he made a quarterfinals here. He made a quarterfinals straight Strain Open. But well, he's not going to be happy with another quarterfinals, I can tell you. He needs to get to at least a semifinals before he's even starting to smile about his tennis. And I would think that he'd be... Really, really disappointed. In fact, I think he'd be the most disappointed player to to leave Wimbledon without winning Wimbledon because he's 19 and he's fearless. He has the game. He's proven that. He's even beaten Federer on clay. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be feeling as confident about winning. The only reason is he hasn't won. So he doesn't know what that feeling is. I wasn't very scared when I won at 17, 18 years old. Boris Becker wasn't either. And when Boris Becker won as an 17-year-old, I mean, we had some serious players. John McEnroe was playing great. Ivan Lendl was playing great. Stefan Edberg was already playing great. Um, I was playing great. So, and then Becker comes in, and he blows everybody away, but with tennis that we had never seen. So Nick Kyrgios has that possibility. I really believe that.
2: Just finally, before I let you go, I know you've got very important dinner plans, more important than chatting to me. You spend all day chatting to me, but... Everybody hit You're one of the only people I've spoken to who isn't picking Andy Murray for this title. Do you think everyone's getting a bit carried away there because it's Britain, because it's Wimbledon, because he's playing so well?
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I did pick Andy Murray as soon as when I came in there, but after the first week, it's crazy for anyone to think is what I'm saying, What who's going to win, because Federer is playing well enough, Murray is playing great, but so is Novak Djokovic. And now you put in the unknown uh, limit of how well Nick Curios can play because that's what people ha- have made a mistake about is that, well, no, they can't win yet. No, you have no idea. Nick Cures might be the greatest player of all time once his career is over, and he has the weapons, he's got the belief. What is Roger Federer and these guys going to do when he starts his circus on the court, and their whole crowd just turns against them, and they go for Nick Cures and suddenly he has 15,000 people at the Wimbledon Centre Court. Maybe the player box of the other players is cheering for them. That's it. Unless it's Andy Murray. But if it's Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer, I mean, he's going to be able to turn everybody to him. So I, I say be very careful of riding him off. And if you do, it's not fair to him because he hasn't had a chance to prove to everybody that he has the game to win Wimbledon yet.
2: Wow, what a seismic event that would be for the world of tennis if Nick Kyrgios won Wimbledon this year. One final word from you before I let you go. Who's winning the women's?
1: Well, now that Serena Williams has gone through um, that uh, that match against Heather Watson, I would think that she, she has is a bit of a wake up call for her, and I think that she 's most probably feeling like i 'm not playing that well, I need to focus a little bit more um, she 's going to go back again, drawing board take to, you know sunday uh, they have a, they do have a day off at Wimbledon everybody and uh, she um, I do think that now that's a way, it's over with. I mean, it's nearly like she didn't nearly want to win against Heather Watson because she's British uh, and she's such a nice girl, uh, Heather, or a nice woman, I should say, Heather Watson. So I think now now everyone is an enemy for Serena, and I think the crowd.
2: Including her sister.
1: (laughs) Including her sister, which is going to be very interesting. But I think that uh, now that Heather Watson is out, There's a lot of us that would like to see Serena Williams actually reach Steffi Graf's 22, actually win a a calendar grand slam, because she hasn't done that, and actually become the greatest female player of all time, because she is the most dominating in her era.
2: Okay, I know I said it was the last question, but since you've said that, I have to ask you, is she going to do it?
1: I do believe that she is going to win Wimbledon, and I think she's going to win the U.S. Open. yeah. And I do think she's going to win another, another tournament next year, another Grand Slam. And she will be considered, before the end of 2016, Serena Williams will be considered the greatest uh, uh, female player of all time. Even if she doesn't win the calendar Grand Slam, she'll still catch Steffi Graf, I think, within, uh, within uh, the next two years.
2: Wowee, those are blockbuster predictions. You see, David and I do blockbuster predictions all all the time, but we don't know what we're talking about and we always get them wrong. I'm so confident you've got those right. As I say, everything you've said this week in the Live at Wimbledon studio has been bang on. Mats, thank you so much for joining me on the Tennis Podcast.
1: Thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be with you.
2: Thanks. Mats is going to leave now to go and have his lovely dinner plans. I am wrapping up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow once the fourth round action has resumed. We are the Tennis Podcast in association with The Telegraph, and we're supported by BNP Paribas. Thanks for listening.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.